You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Annette and I were in another part of town the other night, and Annette loves Mediterranean food. And I love Annette. And so sometimes we go eat Mediterranean food. There is a sandwich there that I eat, and I'm fine with it, and a dessert, and so I'm good. But... We, we were at this restaurant the other night we had not been to, and you walk up to the counter to order, and the people there were very friendly to us, very kind, and they looked, appeared, and their accent to be Middle Eastern, and so we started visiting with them some and cutting up a little bit, and so we sat down at our table and, and started eating our food, and the young gal came over who was maybe college age, and she continued the conversation, but we were fine with it. There weren't many people in the restaurant and we were enjoying talking to her and learning more about her and finally I said to her so tell me where were you born where were you raised and she said I was raised and in her accent she said Iran and I said okay what what is life like growing up in Iran and so we talked for a long time she finally told us that she was Muslim and so we got into a conversation Annette and I learning a little more about her view of Islam and then we talked a lot about Christianity And our conversation finally turned to Jesus, completely to Jesus. And her greatest struggle was that Jesus could have been a man and have been who he was. And my urging her gently that we believe he is fully human and fully God was a struggle for her to grasp. But she seemed interested. And so what if she became very interested? What if she became warm? In fact, what if we went back there, which we intend to do so, and had other conversations with her about Jesus? And what if she decided one day that Jesus was calling her to follow Him? What would that mean for her? And I got a feeling I'm in your mind a little bit because you might be saying, whoa, wait, Pastor Rick, because this could have major implications for our life. Not only life-changing, of course, because Christ changes everybody's life, but it could cost her everything. I mean, it could even cost her her family. This could cost her potentially her life. But didn't... Didn't Jesus say that those same implications applied to all of us? So I hear the words echoing down through the ages from the lips of Jesus Himself. If you want to be my disciple... Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. What, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? We're going to spend a few weeks talking about what that means. To follow Jesus. Let me, let me go with you to Matthew. 
Would you open a Bible with me? And would you go to chapter 16 and begin with verse 21, okay? Matthew chapter 16 and begin with verse 21. So, Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. And there has been this event that has happened with him and his disciples where he has asked them who everybody is saying he is. And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter speaks kind of for everybody, I think, and says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And here's how it goes from there, verse 21. So from that time on, meaning that was a game changer, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. The elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law made up the Sanhedrin, the supreme Jewish ruling council. So he is saying, they are all taking me on. And that he must be killed. So he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And on the third day he would be raised to life. And so Peter took him aside. And he began to rebuke him. Which would be unusual for a disciple to rebuke his rabbi. But he could not sit still and he could not say nothing about this. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. These are strong words, aren't they? Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. This is God's Word for us today. We've been, we've been talking for these last several weeks about wanting to be a church of a group of people who make every effort to connect people with Christ. And, and out of our relationship, because of how we know Jesus, we want everybody to know Jesus like we know Jesus. And so it's obligatory. It's saying we will make every effort. We will do whatever it takes. We will go to great lengths. We will go to great extremes. We will sacrifice in order to help other people connect with Christ. We want people to know Jesus like we know Jesus. And, and our mission is clear. So that together we can become like Christ. 
in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another and then in our relationships with others. So we go help this person connect with Jesus and then together we grow together to become like Jesus in our relationship with God and our relationships with one another and then in our relationship with the people who don't know Jesus. So it just kind of keeps giving. It just kind of keeps going. And so I'm thinking about all of that stuff. And a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with a book in my lap and a pastor who had planted a church. And the church grew to be a large church. And here's what the pastor said. I planted this church and it grew to be a large church. And I should have seen myself as successful in every way, but I had no peace in my heart. And the reason I had no peace in my heart was because I looked at my life. And it seemed to very little resemble the life of Jesus. I looked at my life and it seemed very little to resemble the life of Jesus. And I looked at my church and it seemed to resemble very little the church that I read about in the book of Acts. And I looked at myself and I said, I'm not very much like Christ. So I, I think as we walk together for a few weeks, I think, I think it's good, I think it's really good to ask ourselves the hard questions. And so I think one of the questions I want you to work with, and I want to work with over these next few weeks, is as I look at my life, my everyday eating, breathing, sleeping, eating, drinking life, how much does my life resemble the life of Jesus? So I want to I dive into this with you, okay? So here, here's, here's where we're going to go. So um, let me start with this. We went to see our little granddaughter this past week. That's where we were last Sunday. And every time I come home, people always say, Oh, we thought you were going to show a picture. So I decided I'll show a picture if you thought I was going to. So here's her first birthday picture. Her name is Sadie Kay. She is just perfect in every way. We, we think that Sadie, um, you can leave it up there until I'm done if you want. I, I think it's awesome, you know. But, but you can take it down if you like. But, but, but we, we think that Sadie Kay is just, just unbelievable. She's now repeating things that you say because she is so advanced, of course. She's repeating. But, but we think that she thinks that our names are, who is it? Because every time that we get on the phone with her and FaceTime or every time Brittany shows a picture, she'll say to Sadie, Sadie, who is it? And so now when we get on the phone and we're FaceTime with Sadie, she looks at us, she looks at Brittany, she looks at us, she looks at Brittany, and she looks at us and she looks at Brittany and says, who is it? So we think she thinks we are, who is it? We walked in the other night to see her. The first thing... Brittany said to her when she saw she said, Sadie, who is it? And Sadie just looked at us like, yep, that's them. You know? And so in the previous section of Scripture, Jesus is with His disciples and He says, so tell me what the beat on the street is. Who, what are people saying about me? Who, who do people say that I am? You know what He's saying? Who is it? <laughs> who are people saying that I am? Some say that you're John the Baptist. Somebody else pipes and said, I heard somebody the other day say that you were Elijah. Somebody else said, I heard Jeremiah. Somebody else said, I just hear people say you must be one of the prophets. But, 
what about you? Who is it? Who do you say that I am? When you look at me, who do you see? And, and there's this epic moment where Simon Peter says, with his back straightened and his chin raised, You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. <laughs> Man. And you're Peter. And on you, on this kind of confession, on this belief, I'm going to build my church. So if you get inside the head of the disciples, I think you've got to kind of go along with them a little bit, okay? So you are God's anointed king. And so if you are God's anointed king... We need to get your kingdom going, right? We need to get this established. So let's go to Jerusalem. Let's overtake the temple. Use force if necessary. And let's help you establish the kingdom of God right here on earth. And so Jesus gets on the wagon. And he says, okay, we're going to Jerusalem. And they say, we're going to Jerusalem. Okay, the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus says, okay, it's going to involve suffering. And it's going to involve death. And the disciples are completely confused. How do they grasp this? What, what, what do you mean it involves suffering and it involves death? How, how can you die? And so Simon Peter obviously rebukes him. Lord, you know, wait. Can, can you come here? Can we talk? For, can I just get a minute with you? This can never happen. I, I, I don't want you to get the idea that Simon Peter is, is just trying to be a wise guy and tell Jesus how it ought to be. I mean, he is thinking about the future and I'm trying to envision the kingdom of God being established on earth. And if you are God's anointed king, then you can't die because it can't be established without you. This just can't happen. And, and there was this personal side of the relationship. I can't lose you. Hardest words they ever heard. How do you how do you wrap a mind around it? I think that's why in verse twenty Jesus said to the disciples, "Make sure you don't tell anybody that I'm the Messiah," because Jesus understood that the disciples did not understand what the Messiah was going to be and do. So don't go give your version of Messiah, please, to everybody. Because your version and my version are very different. Go to Jerusalem, overtake the temple. You're not thinking, Simon Peter, and concerns that God has. You're thinking in the concerns of human beings. How do you, how do you not think with human concerns? It comes really natural for me to think, um, what is best for me? How am I most protected? How am I most cared for? How am I most comfortable? How does my life look the best? <laughs> how, do you, how do you not think in terms of human concern? 
And so Jesus says, Simon, you, you're going to have to get behind me. Satan, adversary meaning, anything that would tempt you away from God's will for your life, you're becoming an adversary to me. And so what he says is, you've got to get behind me. John, come just real quick, if you will. John, you're not John, you're Kevin. You're not going to come if I call you for an hour. Is your name Kevin? Kevin. I called you your dad's name, right? I'm sorry. I apologize. So if we're walking together, and Kevin is, is walking, we'll just stand up here. If he's, if he's walking and I'm behind him, then what am I doing? I'm following. But if I get in front of John, what is John doing? He's following. Yeah. Kevin, my bad. Man, that's terrible. I think I've just messed it up so bad there was, you know. And so Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I think you've gotten in front of me. I, I think you've, I think you're trying to lead me. Get behind me. What a picture. You like that picture? Just get behind me. It's always been your job to follow me, not to lead me. I'll, I'll be done now, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah. So, so get behind me. There's a, there's a book that I've been reading lately by a guy named David Platt. Someone gave me. It's very good. I had read his book, Radical, when I was coming here. And I was glad to pick up a, another David Platt book. And it's called Follow Me. And I think it's... Um, it's a book probably worth your time if you want to be a serious disciple of Jesus. And, and what David Platt says is this. Let me see if I can remember how he says it. He says, we, we tend to pick and choose what we like and dislike about Jesus' teaching. We tend to pick and choose what we like and dislike about Jesus' teaching. And we try to make Jesus into a very nice, politically correct non-offensive, middle-class, American who looks and thinks like us. And we just kind of take all of that very nice, non-offensive, politically correct, middle-class American who thinks and looks like us, and we just take all of that and we kind of put that on Jesus, and we just assume that Jesus would want all of this for me. This is really what Jesus wants for my life. And so, so when we ask the question, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And we turn to this passage, I think we get an answer that is a bit alarming. We've talked many times over the few years that I've been here about what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus, a Talmud. And so when a person was chosen to be a follower of a rabbi, they not only paid attention to what the rabbi taught, but they paid attention to what the rabbi did. And the desire was to become like the rabbi. I want to become like my teacher. And I remember standing here one Sunday morning with a lot of passion saying, How bad do you want to become like Jesus? 
How important is it to you that you become like Christ? Do we really want to become like Jesus in our relationship with the Father and in our relationships with one another and in our relationships with people who don't know Jesus? Is that really important to us? Do we really want to be a disciple of Christ? Do we want to become like Him? Jesus says, follow me. At first glance, it might feel a little too simple. So all I have to do is follow Him. But then he asked a question once of one of his, of his disciples. You, you know the way to the place I'm going. If you want to be my disciple, and you want to be like me, then deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Here's, here's where the challenge comes in, is that we, we, don't, we don't relate to the death thing at all. And so Matthew writes his gospel in 80 to 90 A.D., and persecution is prevalent in that world. The Romans used a cross as crucifixion to kind of control what was going on in the provinces. Any rebellion, anybody acting out, we got a cross, we'll take care of you. They were notorious for crucifying people. And so when we talk about a cross, we tend to want to equate a cross with, yeah, everybody's got a cross to bear. I know what you mean. Somebody unfriended me on Facebook the other day. You know? No, no. No, if, 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 you, if you think about bearing a cross is, is, is you know, this... this uh, sciatic nerve, and I, I don't have one, but I, I'm sure it's extremely painful, you know, or, or something that you deal with. I, I live with a little vertigo. Well, that's my cross. I guess I just have to bear it. No, no. No, it's, it's literal death. So I, I was reading this week about in 1555, a man whose name was Latimer and one whose name was Ridley were burned at the stake because of their faith, their belief in following Jesus. And as they were led away and as the fire was lit, Mr. Latimer said, Be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, <laughs> because I believe we will light a candle today by the grace of God in England that shall never be put out. And you understand, these disciples that Jesus is talking to, ten of them lost their lives as martyrs. One of them died in exile. Are you surprised that the gospel of Jesus Christ spread like wildfire? I'm not, because these men were willing to give their lives for the spreading of the gospel. And here's my struggle. I struggle sometimes to give my money, much less my life. Sometimes it's a real challenge for me to give a couple of hours. I mean, if you walked around with me and a bunch of people who attend the church that I pastor some days, you would wonder if we cared all about lost people. Make every effort. Some days we make no effort. I 
I told Annette, this is so convicting. If you want to be my disciple, you deny yourself. It's every day saying no to me and yes to God. And you take up your cross. And come on. And he picks up his cross and he starts up a hill. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? It costs everything and it gives everything. So, you know, if you get to the kind of the why... Um, it's certainly there, but I'm not sure it's there as we sometimes first read it. Uh, Jesus says it like this. He says, For um, the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. And so it reminds us that this life that we are living is moving somewhere. And where is it moving? It is moving toward judgment. Oh, so now you're going to hit us with the judgment thing. Um, it's just, it's here. You know, life is moving somewhere. It is not standing still. Life is moving and there's a direction it's moving and the direction it's moving is toward judgment. When Jesus talks about coming with all of his angels, he may be referring to the resurrection or the day of Pentecost, but there's definitely this strong sense where he says, and will judge everyone according to what they have done. There's this idea that life is moving toward judgment. I don't know that he intended it to be negative. I don't know that he wasn't saying, and when you do, you're going to find life like you've never found it. Once in a while I'll say to you that you don't worry about dying. You worry about living. People don't say, what happens if I die? People say, what happens if I live? And Jesus is promising life and life everlasting. Here's where the real motivation lies, I think. The essence of Christianity has always been this. Those are strong words, aren't they? I'm, I'm good with them. The essence of Christianity is that I was not good. But He still loved me. And He still invited me to follow Him. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And because He has given His life for me, how can I give anything less than my life for Him? And I don't think the guilt thing is going to be effective today, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> You ought to deny yourself what you ought to do. 
You ought to take up your cross. That's what you ought to do. I don't think that's going to help anybody do anything with life any better than they're doing it now. But I think it's just a reminder. Did you... Do you fathom what He's done for you? And how can we do anything less for Him than to pick up a cross and follow Him? And and so it's just out of this love. It's this relationship that I am involved in that has changed my life. I don't want to struggle with it anymore. I want to follow Him. So Harlan, come back. I I, I like the way we we sang earlier, and I think it'd be good if we just maybe even remain seated for a few minutes and sing the words, contemplate them. So, you know, we, we often just say, come and pray. You, you're still welcome to come and pray. Don't ever feel like that it's like closed for the day. It's not. You can always come and feel free to come and pray if you like. But maybe, maybe this is one of those, you know, focusing, praying where I am. Maybe bowing my head where I am. spending some time with Jesus before I leave this morning. Let's sing together. Only my Savior leads me. Who have I to ask the Son? How could I doubt His tender mercy? Through life has been my God. All the way my Savior leads me. Cheers and twining at my tread. Gives me grace for every trial. Feeds me with.
my prayer for you this morning is that the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.